I love the big questions that kids ask. You know, like I have three kids and I, I love the big questions they ask because they have no awareness of what's impossible in life. You know what I mean? Like they just believe anything could happen, you know? So they just, they always ask big questions. They ask for big things, you know? Um, I love when a kid asks for something with a ridiculous numerical value. Like, has this ever happened to you? In fact, my son Cade, when he was real young, he made up his own numerical value. It was 8,900, okay? And I don't know if he wanted like 89 or if he wanted 100 or if he wanted 8,900 or what it was, but he'd always say, can I have 8,900 of those? And, you know, so I want 89 900 lollipops, you know, and so it was just always, no, you know, I want 8,900 of those baseballs, I want 8,900 of those, and, you know, and and it was just always this big, you know, this big over-the-top thing, like, you need one, I'll give you one lollipop, you can have one baseball, you know, but you don't need 8,900, I don't know how many that is, but you don't need it, I just know that, okay, Um, or I love how kids think that you're the strongest, that nothing's impossible for you, you know, like, playing ball with the kids out in the front yard, and a ball gets hit or thrown, and it goes underneath the car in the driveway, and you go over, and you're down your hands and knees, you can't see it, right, uh, you get a bat, you're like swinging around under there, the ball's just mocking you, just laughing at you under the car. You've experienced this, haven't you, right? And so, of course, your kids who just think you could do anything, nothing's impossible for dad, they're just like, dad, just lift the car up, you know? Like, what's wrong with you? Why, why have you not thought of this? Duh, right? Come on, just lift the car up, you know? They just have no, no awareness of the fact that some things are actually impossible. Now, the scary thing is, I think that for us as Christians, we've actually started to believe just the opposite of what they believe. Like we've started to look at God who is limitless and who is absolutely powerful in every way, shape, and form and can do all things. And we've started to believe that somehow the impossible exists. Somehow there are things that he just can't do. There are things he just can't handle. And so we stop asking. We stop asking. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you asked God to do the absolute impossible in your life? When's the last time that you expected in prayer that God could do something that you know, apart from him, is completely impossible? When's the last time you, you prayed that big prayer? Like one of my kids, you asked for the big, ridiculous, unbelievable, amazing thing. You see, I think over time, we start to lose a little bit of hope in God that he can actually do those things. We start to doubt that he can come through like the Bible says that he can. And so I just want to spend several weeks talking about this idea. I think one of the reasons that we stop praying and asking God for big things is because we kind of meet some resistance when we do ask him sometimes. You know, like several of us in the room, we've prayed. Like some of you here tonight, you have a great physical need. You need God to do something impossible in your life. Some of us, it's a financial thing. Like if we're honest, we just got in big trouble and somehow, whether it was our fault or somebody else's fault or it just happened or it was the economy or there were no jobs available, whatever it might be, we're not worried about whose fault it is, but we just need God to do something in our finances to help us. Some of us, it's a relationship, right? It's, it's a marriage that's in trouble. It's a dating relationship that's in trouble. Um, some of you parents, your, your, your kid turned 13, he hasn't talked to you since, right? Like that, you've experienced that phenomenon. I was that kid. I remember doing that to my poor parents, right? And so you need God just to do something in that relationship. Some of us, it's a sin struggle. We're just in so deep. We, we literally just need God to do the impossible in that sin struggle. We've tried everything we know, accountability. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. We just straight up need God to just basically pick us out, out of this nasty pit we've gotten ourselves into. Some of us, it's, it's some type of a, an emotional or even a mental struggle we're going through. Some of us, it's a depression. Some of us, it's just, God, are you there? It just seems impossible that God would ever 
talk back on the other side of that prayer. And I think so often we, we pray, or maybe we've, we've sought God for a while, and we've looked to God for a while, but it just feels like there's this resistance we keep coming up against. And because of that resistance, over time, enough of that resistance, enough of that feeling like maybe God's not gonna come through, we just stop asking. We just stop thinking he can or, or he will, or maybe we think he'd do it for somebody else, but for us, he just won't. What, what does this resistance look like? I think it looks like a bunch of different things. I think there's a, a number of different reasons we feel some resistance when it comes to asking God for miracles and, and doing the impossible. Um, one of them is when he says no. Sometimes God says no. Can I, can I just say something that I hope you'll never forget? God will say no to what's bad for us every single time. Like, let's just get that through our head, okay? We got to spend some time on this first piece of the resistance here, okay? That sometimes God says no. He will say no to us every single time when it's something that's bad for us. I remember Andrew several years ago was talking about how he's, he's looking back on his life now and he's thanking God for the times God said no because he realizes what terrible prayers he was praying, what, what, what things he was asking for were so bad, right? I mean, we've all done this, right? God, she's perfect. Please let her like me. Please, she's the one. I know it. Please just let her say yes, right? And then a year later, she's on the news because they found bodies in her freezer, right? <laughs> and you were like, God, thank you for saying no. I don't do well in cold climates, Lord. I, I thank you, God, for protecting me from that, right? And so you can look back and you can say, wow, God really did protect me. Like, God, thank you so much for saying no, right? And so God will say no what's, what, to what's bad for us every single time. And here's the thing we have to get as we just get this all out here is God is actually gracious to say no, right? That's what we had to understand. We should feel secure in the fact that God says no sometimes because he's protecting us. He's keeping us from things that we really don't want. We think we want them but he's protecting us. And sometimes it's not even no, it's just wait. And wait's really hard too because it feels like no, doesn't it? But God's protecting us. And, and maybe for some of you, God has said no and he's just lovingly saying, this is not for you and I'm gonna shut this down because it's gonna make you, you know, it's gonna cause you more pain than good. And for some of us, he's just saying wait because, here listen, you ready? Wait because in the process, I'm gonna do some things in your life that you're gonna really want me to do, Okay? And so I think what we gotta begin to do is really look to God and go, okay, God, there's a security and a protection that comes when you say no and you say wait. Instead of getting jaded and stop asking God to show up again, just trust him in that. This is something my seven-year-old daughter really needs to learn. My seven-year-old daughter, man, she's persistent. And, and I'll tell you what, she just comes after you and after you. Like the big thing for her, this is ridiculous, but the big thing for her is she always wants to wear summer clothes. Doesn't matter how cold it is. It could be December. She always wants to wear summer clothes. And so Kelly or I be like, honey, no, you cannot wear that outside. It's five feet of snow on the ground, right? Have you not been outside lately? And this is always the reply. It's not, what? It's not fair, right? Thank you. Someone was that little girl. Good. It's not fair. It's not fair, right? And so I usually get super sarcastic at that point. Oh, you are right. We are the worst parents in the world. We should win awards for being the worst. We are terrible. They should lock us up. And usually by then, I get a little smile. And if I haven't, I run and hide. But um, this is something she needs to learn. She needs to learn that she should actually, instead of getting angry and jaded when I say no or wait, she should feel secure and protected. And listen, when you feel secure and protected, you're that much more likely than to approach the person and ask them for something else, aren't you? 
right? So some of us tonight, we kind of get o- got to get over this jaded feeling we have toward God when he says no or wait and realize he's protected us and he's doing something in that process in our lives that should, instead of making us push him away, actually make us warm up to him and, and approach him with even more confidence and say, okay, God, I don't know why you said no to this, but I, I, I know that I can trust you. I know you have my best in mind. And so I'm actually going to come to you all the more. So we've got to push past some of that resistance. Another reason, and I'll spend less time on these, um, another part of this resistance is, is just the length of the journey. You know, like you ever, you ever just you suffer for a really long time, you know? Your body's been hurting for a really long time. Your financial situation has been bad for a really long time. Your depression's lasted a really long time. And so the length of that journey just kind of feels like resistance. It feels like God's resisting you and I. But like I just said, in the process, God's up to something, okay? And the last part of this is, and this is probably the hardest one, is when we pray that God will do this and instead the exact opposite happens. I was just talking with somebody this week who said that exact thing. I was praying for this specific situation in my life and not only did God not answer that prayer, the exact opposite happened. It got way worse. Things got worse. I wanted this to happen and instead that happened. And that happens to you and I sometimes too, doesn't it? And these things kind of build up a resistance in us and they make us want to stop approaching God. But what if we can learn some, from some people who went through some of this and they saw God show up? See, because that's the, that's the reason we need this. The reason we gotta stop, I mean, we gotta keep approaching God, we can't give up, we can't stop, we can't get jaded is because when we do, we actually miss out on the things God does wanna do. See, I'm convinced that in my life, there have been things I've missed out on seeing God do simply because I had shut down and stopped asking because I was jaded. I felt the resistance and it made me stop crying out to God. And I'm sure there are things that God has, as a loving father has wanted to give me that I just haven't been there seeking him about because I got to the place where I started to believe, well, maybe God can't do the impossible. Or maybe he'll do it for everybody else but me. And so tonight, I want us to look and I want us to see some guys who got this right. Some people who could teach us something really, really powerful. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I understand your skepticism. I mean, it says miracle maker up on the screen. Okay, I understand you look at that and you just, you may think fiction, you may think fairy tale, you know. You may think bad experience. And and honestly, next Sunday, we're actually going to tackle a bunch of the things, the barriers, the things we kind of get that get in the way. And they're very legitimate, things that kind of trip us up when we think about going to God for the impossible, especially when it comes to things like healing, okay? But here it is. I get your skepticism. I'm a skeptic. I wrestled through all this myself. But I I just want to say that not only do we see in the Bible that God comes through as the miracle maker, but through this series, we're going to talk about things that we've seen, like legitimate things here and now that God has done to show up and do the impossible. And so we're gonna talk about some of that. And so I hope that um, you'll at least be willing to come back and, and keep listening to what we have to say because there's some real substance to this stuff. So we're gonna look here at some guys who met some resistance. Some people who were going to Jesus, going to the miracle maker, believing that the impossible could happen. But they met some resistance. And I think that's kind of like you and I. We become you know, followers of Jesus. And, and man, it's, it feels like, and, and Pastor even referenced this a little bit this morning, it feels often like when you first become a Christian, like, man, God is just saying yes to like everything. And he's changing your whole life. And there's this sudden new joy and this new peace and this new hope. And, and that's great. But sometimes it can feel like as you, you 
get a little bit past maybe the honeymoon phase, so to speak. You get a little bit out of that, that beginning phase of that relationship with Jesus. Sometimes it, you start to lose some of that wonder and, and you start to lose some of that, that passion and that closeness and that, that expectation and that faith. And so here are these guys. They, they met some resistance and they had the opportunity to do what so many of us have done. And it's just kind of, hey, still believe in God and still thank him for all the things we saw him do five, ten years ago, but kind of stop approaching him for fresh, new things that only God can do. And so we're going to look and see how these guys responded. So Luke chapter 5, we're going to look at this really cool story here. Verse 17, it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Verse 18, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. So let's talk about these verses that we've just read. Steph, if you could just go back one slide. Let's just look at these, this, this first verse. It says that Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers were sitting there and they, the Pharisees and teachers, had come from these villages of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Okay? Now, these Pharisees wanted to see Jesus. Everybody wanted to see Jesus. Okay? So what we know is, is that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law came from Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And Mark tells us that where this happened was Capernaum, okay? And now Capernaum was a good bit, a good bit of a distance from these places, especially Judea and Jerusalem. Okay, so let's go to the next slide now. And here, these guys come carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they want to meet the miracle maker. They want to bring him to Jesus. And the truth is, is we don't know where they came from, okay? People were coming from all over the place, especially the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So we don't know where these guys carrying their buddy on a mat who couldn't walk, we don't know where they came from. They could have come from any of those places that we just mentioned, Galilee or Judea or Jerusalem. They could have been right there in Capernaum. We're not quite sure. But the point is, is that these four guys had to take some type of a journey. We don't know if they were local. We don't know if they could have come from really far away. Um, Just to let you guys know, um, I, I googled distance between Galilee to Capernaum, and I wasn't expecting this, but like the actual Google Maps thing came up, and this is what it said. It said about 17 miles in current traffic. I wasn't expecting that, okay? I was thinking old school, you know? All right, okay, cool. I don't think these guys were in current traffic, just so you know, all right? Um, And so if they were from Galilee, then that's a good day's journey, okay? By foot, that's a good day's journey. And you got to imagine, not only are they just going by foot, they're also carrying their buddy, Okay, so that's a good, good trek. Now, if they were from Jerusalem or Judea, then it was actually possible to have taken actually a week to get there. Okay, so like I said, we're not sure if the guys came that far like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law did. But no matter what, these guys put some effort in. There was a journey involved. They had to get together. They had to figure out, all right, let's get our buddy. Let's pick him up. Let's get our mat. Let's take him. And we're just going to walk our way. We don't know how long it was. We don't know how long it took. But we know that there was some type of planning and some type of a journey. And it was probably uncomfortable. You guys ever been on a road trip? You guys ever been on a road trip? Like the first few hours is legit. It's like the best three hours of your life. You got the windows down. You're cranking music. Everyone's singing. It's great. Right? And then everybody falls asleep, except hopefully the driver, right? Everybody falls asleep, and everybody wakes up, and it's the worst, right? Everyone hates each other, right? Everyone's like, you smell, you're too close to me, stop chewing so loud, right? I guess I'm the only one, I don't know, but um, here they are on this journey, okay? And they got to the house, but look at what it says in verse 19. They could find no way to do this, to bring the man to Jesus because of the crowd, So they get there. There's been a journey. There's been some type 
of traveling and some type of suffering because traveling always stinks, right? And they get there. And what happens? They meet some resistance. They meet some resistance. They think they're going to encounter Jesus. They think they're going to walk right in and the miracle maker they've been hearing about is just going to snap his fingers or do whatever he does. I mean, they don't know Jesus. And suddenly their friend's going to be healed. But they walk up and they meet instant resistance, instant disappointment. You know what just happened for these guys? Things just got worse. The guy on the mat whose hopes were high, things just got worse. Not only did he not get healed, but it looks like he won't get healed. He looks like he won't even get to talk to Jesus. He looks like this was a wasted trip. On the way, they were probably talking. They were probably excited. They're probably talking about all the things they'd heard Jesus could do. Maybe it's like you and I, right? We hear somebody else got healed. We hear God came through for somebody financially. We hear God put a marriage back together. We hear God got a hold of a kid's life that we've been, you know, his parents have been praying for and we've been praying for our kid and believing for our kid and We heard somebody else got freed from depression or a sin struggle. And we think, all right, man, maybe it's time. I've been going through this physical thing for so long. I've been going through this temptation for so long. I've been going through this financial thing for so long. Maybe it's my time. Before you know it, as you're praying down your journey, you meet resistance. I mean, for all these guys knew, this was a no. They made the journey, they got to the house, it was packed out, they couldn't even get in to see Jesus. Basically the answer is no, you will not get healed. There's no hope for you here. I wonder if they got angry. I wonder if they started to turn around. I wonder whose idea this next part was. Pretty crazy few words here. They went up on the roof. They went up on the roof. I just wonder whose idea that was. I wonder if it was the guys who were carrying the mat. If like one of them was like, you know what, let's just go. And one of them looked and said, wait a second, I got an idea. And they looked down at their buddy on the mat who's laying there like nervous. Like, what idea, buddy? You know, it's like that one crazy friend that you have, you know, that has the idea. Like, what are we thinking here? We're going on the roof. No, we're not going on the roof, you know. I don't know. Or maybe it was the guy on the mat. Maybe the four guys carrying the mat were ready to go. And the guy on the mat's like, roof, you know, let's go. Let's do this. Throw me, carry me, whatever you got to do. Let's, let's do this. And, and so we don't know whose idea it was, but they went up on the roof. They met incredible resistance. It seemed like they weren't going to get to even see Jesus. They went up on the roof. And look at this. And lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I got to believe Jesus was laughing as this was happening, right? I mean, just imagine, here he is speaking in the middle of a message. It says he was teaching everyone, right? And suddenly, like, he started getting hit in the head with building materials, right? And, and someone's lowered down in front of him. And then verse 20 says this, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, that's an interesting place for Jesus to go, Right? Everyone was expecting him to say, get up and walk. But instead he says, your sins are forgiven. And the truth is, is we're going to see three miracles in this story. And that's the first one. It's actually the most important one. Your sins are forgiven. You see, we got to catch this. Maybe this will bring out some, some joy in your heart today. If you're in the middle of suffering and you still feel like God hasn't come through yet. Or you're going through hardship and it feels like God's listening to everybody but you. Just think about this for a second. If, if, if my body, if our bodies were sick and we're never healed, 
this side of heaven, if our finances never got better, if our relationships never were healed, if we never got out of our sin struggles, if we never got out out of our depressions, but our sins were forgiven, then we've encountered the miracle maker. He's done the most amazing thing in our life, even if the, ne- the rest of them never happened. And so Jesus jumps to, hey, your sins are forgiven. This is mind boggling. This guy was going there to get healed physically, temporarily, you know, while he lived on planet earth. And Jesus goes right to the heart, right to the bigger thing and says, hey, your sins are forgiven. No one saw that coming. Nobody thought that's where he was headed. But then in verse 21, we see this. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves. Those three words are really important. They were thinking to themselves. They weren't talking about it. They weren't talking out loud. They weren't having a discussion. Nobody yelled this out. Thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so here are the Pharisees in the way again. Right? There's a bunch of sick, dying people out in the yard. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law don't care about Jesus, don't care about God, don't want anything from him. They, all they want to do is accuse and discredit him. And they're just in the way. And Jesus is having compassion on this man who's been lowered from the ceiling. And I love verse 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Jesus knew what they were thinking. That's the second miracle we see here is Jesus knew it. It didn't say they were saying these things out loud. No, they were thinking these things. And Jesus knew what they we're thinking, you had to be careful about around Jesus, right? You had to be really careful around Jesus. You, you just couldn't think, I guess, normal thoughts because he'd always know what was going on. You, I kind of feel bad for the disciples, right? I mean, that's, that's like rough. I have a friend, actually, who's admitted to me that when he's talking to someone and he has, and, and when people usually say I have a friend, they're talking about themselves. This is not me, I promise. But I have a friend who, when he, when he talks with someone, he's admitted to me that he actually is distracted and thinking mostly about the imperfections of their face. Like, he's literally thinking, like, wow, her nose is crooked. Or, like, that's a big molar. Man, he's pale, you know? I mean, and so you couldn't have gotten away with that with Jesus. He would have called you on that, right? He would have been right on top of that. And so here's Jesus, and he knows their thoughts. And look at what he does. He speaks right to their thoughts. He asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? So he's saying, okay, I I know you don't believe in me. I know you're just here to point fingers and you doubt that I can do any of this stuff. But just think about it for a second. What's easier for me to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? I mean, on the one hand, if I say your sins are forgiven, there's no real immediate proof of that. But if I say get up and walk and he doesn't get up and walk, then Man, maybe I'm in trouble here. Maybe I'm an imposter. Maybe you are right about me. And he goes on. Verse 24, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I want you to see. See, see he, he's really forgiven. His sins are forgiven. But I want you to see. I want to prove to you that I am the miracle maker who can not only change bodies but change hearts and forgive sins. And so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And we have our third miracle. Jesus forgave the man, which was the biggest miracle, knew the thoughts of those Pharisees, and now has healed this paralyzed man. Has come through. He's done the impossible. He's done what this man hoped and prayed he would do. He was who this man hoped and prayed Jesus would be. And as he stood there, God changed everything. But I just want you to think for a second. 
What if the resistance had stopped them? What if the seeming obstacles, the long journey, what felt like a no, things going from bad to worse, they couldn't get in the house. What if that kept them from the miracle maker? You see, here's what I, I think. I think you and I gotta start tearing some roofs off. Roofs off. I think those things in our lives that are standing between us and the miracle maker, those no's, those, those long journeys, the, the, the jaded heart, we gotta start tearing through those roofs to get to his feet, to get to who he is. We gotta push past the times he said no. Guys, I, I get it. I mean, I, I've seen God heal and I've also prayed really hard and seen tremendous loss. I mean, I don't think I've ever prayed for anyone harder in my life than probably both my wife and my mom. And my wife has gotten better but is not completely healed yet and my mom died. And so I get it. I understand the resistance. I understand the pain. I understand the, the jaded heart. I understand the long journey but I also know that he's still the miracle maker. And when you come to him and you're able by God's grace to push past the resistance in your heart and in your mind, that you begin to see some amazing things. So I don't want to spend the rest of my life because there were some no's and some weights and some long journeys and some things that went from bad to worse. I don't want to spend the rest of my life not asking God, not approaching the miracle maker to do the impossible. I believe there's so much to see. I believe there's so much that he wants to do. And, and the most satisfied I ever am is when I see him at work. And so I think for you and I, we need to learn from these men that the, resist, the resistance can't keep us from the miracle maker. I know there's, there's legitimate pain. I know there's legitimate questions. I know there's legitimate objections. And we're gonna try and tackle some of those throughout the series. But, but way more than that, we have to tonight. Just, just, just rally around this idea as we start this series. We're not going to get anywhere. And this thought is this. Don't let the resistance keep you from the miracle maker. Don't let the resistance of your journey. Don't let the resistance of the no's and the weights. Don't let the resistance of things going from bad to worse in other situations keep you from approaching the miracle maker. Looking to him for who he is and what he alone can do. We got to get some of that wonder back. We gotta get some of that childlike faith back. A dad could lift a car. That's what my kids believe. Well, God could do anything. And so, what roofs do you have to tear off tonight? What resistance do you have to push through? I, I'll just tell you, I'm just being completely honest with you. I love God. I believe in God. But I can tell you that there are definitely seasons of my life where I back off from really expecting anything big from him. And I love it when my heart kind of comes back alive and I get into those seasons where I begin to believe again that he can do the big stuff, the ridiculous stuff, the, the stuff that doesn't make sense, the stuff that only he could do. And so what are your roofs that you need to tear through? What are your resistances you need to push through? Because I'm telling you, though you may be on a long journey of sickness or sin or debt or relational brokenness or emotional stress, depression. There's a miracle maker and he wants to give you hope and he wants to show up in our lives and he's gonna say no every single time we ask for something bad. Every single time. Because he's good. 
and he's God and he's always looking out for what's best. But we can't let that make us insecure. We've got to make that secure. We've got to make, let that make us bold in the security of a loving father who will always say no to what's bad for us. We've got to be able to say, okay, then in that case, I'm going to come to you all the more believing that you can do the impossible. I'll never forget the first time I saw the miracle maker at work. You know, God just doing something that was way off the charts. I grew up in a great Christian home and um, God had given me joy and peace and those things are huge. Those are miracles in and of themselves. But I'd never seen kind of like the big thing, you know? Like the, the joy and the peace is, is a huge, big thing, okay? I'm not belittling that, but I'd never kind of see that direct, huge answer to prayer. I remember when I was probably about 19 years old and I was helping out at our church youth group and we were just like at a fun barbecue one night and, and, and one of these little middle school girls came up to myself and some of the other youth leaders and said that her mom recently got a terrible report at the doctor that she was gonna be, uh, just had zero, zero chance of making it without uh, an emergency surgery and if she had the emergency surgery that it was only a 30% chance it was gonna work. So dead without the surgery, 70% chance of not even making it with the surgery. And I just remember just sitting there, not really knowing, honestly, what to do or say, except let's pray. And so we prayed. And I'll never forget, we were sitting on the, a tailgate of a truck in my dad's driveway, just praying. Just praying for this girl, not really knowing how, honestly, not knowing the right words. That was probably, you know, a good thing because there really are no right words. We'll get into that. And just not knowing how, how big my faith had to be, which is probably a good thing because we're also getting to this. It's really not about how big your faith is. We'll get into that later. But, but here we were just sitting and praying and looking to God, not knowing what would happen. And, and I'll never forget hearing the report back that they had canceled the surgery. Like, weird, okay. And then hearing she was doing really good, and then hearing she's back to work and fine, and here we are now, 2014, I guess 16, 17 years later, and this woman never once needed an ounce of medical attention for that issue. And I never forget this little seventh, eighth grade girl, her life completely changed and just blown away and all of us just rejoicing at what God had done. And it's just a little taste of what the miracle maker can do. Throughout this series, we're gonna talk about a lot more practical things, things here and now that God has done. But for me, that was a first. That got my my juices flowing. That got my, my expectation growing. And so I think you and I, we need an experience with God, don't we? Some of us have had experiences with God, but it's time for an up-to-date one, isn't it? I don't know about you. I'm tired of telling stories from like five, 10 years ago. I really am. Like, they're great, but I'm ready for some new stuff that God could do. Some of you guys here that are are in the room and you're a follower of Jesus, but you haven't seen God do that like huge over-the-top thing yet, it's the, it's the thing that'll catapult your faith forward like never before. If you're, if you're looking around going, man, how come other people seem more passionate than me? That may be one of the reasons because when you encounter God for yourself, everything changes. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'll tell you, one of the amazing things about God is as you, as you call out to him or as you, as you knock, so to speak, that he's on the other side of that, that door. He's on the other side of that call and that he answers and he shows up. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope, again, you, you, you're in here skeptical. I get it. I would be too. But I hope you might come back and hang out with us for a few weeks as we just talk about what God can do. But for tonight and for this week, would you just be prayerful about the resistance in your heart? And would you bring to him all the roofs that you need to kind of tear through? And just be real and just be honest with him and say, God, I gotta tell you, 
When I prayed for so-and-so and they didn't get healed, that kind of messed me up. When I asked God that um, you deal with my financial issues and it only got worse, that kind of really threw me for a loop and I'm just struggling through that. But God, I want to get back. I want to get back to that place of wonder and trusting and believing that you can do anything. And so no matter where you are, no matter what you're hurt, no matter what your frustration or your suffering tonight, I just encourage you, don't let the resistance keep you from the miracle maker. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight and we really just need you. We need you. God, we want your presence, God. This this is not a series about miracles. It's about the miracle maker. It's about you. God, more than healing and financial breakthrough and great relationships, God, we want you. We want the miracle maker, the person Jesus. We want the Holy Spirit to be working. Father, I just pray that in this series you do great work in our hearts, God, and that you just move in such a powerful way. So help us, God. If you're a follower of Jesus, let me just walk you through praying about some of the resistance you may have in your life. Let's just just pray together through this. God, I just confess to you that because of the times you say no or wait, that I've stopped believing you for big things. God, because of the length of this journey, there are times I've Stop believing you for big things. God, because sometimes things seem to get worse when I pray. Sometimes I just stop asking. I stop believing you. But God, I want to come back to that place of great expectation in you. Believing you to do the impossible things. And I know, God, you're going to say no every time. It's not what's best. But God, I don't want to miss out on all the other things that you do want to do. So would you help me? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want the the greatest miracle of all, which is the forgiveness of sin, then I would encourage you tonight just to put your faith in Jesus. That's the starting point. And you can put your faith in him just by beginning a little bit of a conversation. It's not magical. It's not mystical. It's just a conversation between you and God. And I encourage you, if you want to tonight, no twisting of arms, but if you feel like you're in that place where you want to know Jesus as your Savior, then would you pray a prayer something like this? Jesus, thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for your desire to forgive me of my sin. Thank you for taking my place on the cross. And tonight I put my faith in the fact that you rose back from the dead and that now I can be yours Would you show me how real you are? And God, would you just come close in my life? Amen.